It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. Last Sunday, uh, I had planned to begin a series of messages on the book of Galatians. And I just couldn't get peace there. I couldn't get settled and sort of God sort of rerouted me uh, last Sunday morning. And as a result, uh, I'm just going to kind of continue down this detour uh, that we started on last Sunday and, and I hope that you'll stick with me. Is that okay that we are on a detour? We kind of got off the main road and uh, hopefully it'll be, uh, it'll be a good road and not too bumpy. All right, so normally I ask you to turn to a certain passage of scripture, but all of the passages that we're gonna talk about this morning are going to be on the screen for you. And so before we dive into the message, let me open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the time uh, to gather around your word. Uh, God, to sing your praise to give you tithes and offerings and gratitude, and then, Lord, to be just challenged, challenged by your word, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so I pray that you'll have your way here this morning. God, I pray that you will be pleased with the response in each and every heart. God, say exactly what needs to be said uh, through me, and let the Holy Spirit bring the right words and the right interpretation to each person wherever they are. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. All right. So as we begin this morning, I, I want you to just imagine for a moment that it's tomorrow morning. It's Monday morning. And it is O-Dark 30. Now, I don't know if you know what O-Dark 30 is. That's a term we used to use in the army. And that means it's sometime before the sun comes up. So it is tomorrow morning. You are sleeping in your bed. It is O-Dark 30. And your alarm goes off to get you up and to start getting ready for your day to go to work. So the alarm goes off at O-Dark 30. You open up one eye, you look over there, you realize that the alarm clock is actually showing the time that you're supposed to get up. You reach over, you hit the snooze or the off button, and as soon as you do, you jump out of your bed and say, yes, it's Monday, I'm going to work. Right? Right? <laughs> I, I'm shocked that nobody seems to have that response on Monday morning. Now, I, I used to do this on a regular basis until I went in the army. When I went in the army, I realized that snooze is not good. Snooze is not your friend in the army. But other, otherwise, man, I used to I always like set three alarms because I just did not want to get up when I knew it was time to get up. So I'd start earlier and then I'd like another alarm and then another alarm. Finally, eventually, okay, I'll get up. Now, why is it that when the alarm goes off tomorrow morning at dark 30, whenever that is, you don't just jump out of bed wide-eyed and bushy-tailed going, man, I get to go to work today. I would suggest to you that I think the reason that most of us don't respond that way is because most of us go to work every day of our lives for someone else. We get up and we go to work to work for somebody else, 
to accomplish whatever it is that they wanted it to, to accomplish, to help their business succeed, to help their business grow. And I think deep down inside, most people harbor this secret desire. May, they may never speak about it, but they harbor this desire deep down inside to eventually and ultimately work for themselves, to be the captain of their own ship, to wake up on Monday morning knowing that, hey, I'm not going to fill somebody else's job description. I'm going to fill my own. And if, the, if somebody is ultimately brave enough to take that leap, and, and it requires a bit of bravery to take that leap, but if somebody is ultimately brave enough to take that leap, I think the thing that is probably most gratifying for anybody that goes into business for themselves is if at some point in time, the day comes that they are able to pass the baton to a son or a daughter, their offspring, who decide that not only do they want to, to move the business forward, they have the same level of enthusiasm, the same level of excitement, they've gained the skills associated with that business, and they're ready to keep the family business going and growing in a positive direction. I think almost everybody that ever goes into business for themselves, that's the day that it becomes the ultimate fulfillment is when it can turn into a family business where the sons and daughters give themselves to it and continue it forward with the same enthusiasm and the same joy and excitement that mom or dad had when they began the business. Now, that's an exciting day. But before anything can ever ultimately turn into a family business, it has to first be a successful business, right? I mean, you can't, you can't turn a family business over to the, the kids unless it's succeeding. If, if you tried to start a business and it fails and it blows out and it just nothing comes to, out of it, you can't pass that along. There's nothing to pass along. So you have to have a successful business in order to turn it into a family business. So now if you want to turn something into a family business, you got to be successful. And in order to be successful, I think there's two very important questions that every person who runs a business needs to be able to answer. Number one, what's, what's my business, right? And, and so you have to be able to understand what need are you fulfilling? What need are you serving? How are you accomplishing something that the rest of the population needs, desires, and wants? What is your business? And then number two, how do we measure that success? Not only do we need to know what it is, we gotta figure out how do we, how do we know if we're actually accomplishing that, all right? So would we all agree that if you want a successful business, you gotta be able to answer those two questions. Yes? All right, are, is there a dissent? Are we, do it, are we all in agreement on that? Yeah, okay, good, all right. Uh, just nod your head, I'll hear the rocks and it'll all be good. So <laughs> you gotta be able to answer those two questions. Now why, why in the world am I talking about that? Because whether you realize it or not this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are in a family business. Yeah. 
You're not waking up on Monday morning going to work for somebody else. If you have said yes to the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, purchased on the cross, if you have said yes to his salvation through what he did on the cross, then you have been adopted into his family and you, as a Christ follower, have been brought into the family business. Now, let me share the first passage of Scripture for you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. And, and I, I, I can almost promise you all but one of the verses I'm going to share with you this morning, you're probably all familiar with, but I want to put them in this context. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 20, you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, you know that verse, you know that verse, but the first part of that verse says you were bought at a price. Don't let that just fly by. Because see, I think what happens a lot of times is when we, we read a passage of scripture, we see a passage of scripture that we know well, we don't stop to think about it. We just like, boom, I know that. And you just move on. I don't want you to move on this morning. I want you to just hit the pause button on that idea that you were bought with a price. All right. So I want everybody for a moment to consider that you have gone out shopping. And uh, so, ladies, you can imagine, uh, you know, is that me? Was that my beard? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a real he-man. <laughs> All right. So, ladies, you, you are out shopping and, and you are at, at, what's the name of the place you go to? Hobby Lobby. You're at Hobby Lobby. Scares every man in here to death, but you're at Hobby Lobby. All right, so men, you would never darken the doors of Hobby Lobby, and I respect you for that. So imagine that you're at Bass Pro Shop or Menards or Lowe's or something like that. Anyway, so whether you're a, a man or a woman, just imagine you're in the place that you like to go, and you're shopping. And as you're shopping you see something in the store that catches your attention. And as you look at it, now, and, and here's, here's what happens. I, I assume most of you are like me. So you pick it up and you look at the price and you go, not a chance, right? And you put that back. I'm not buying that. But when you see something you like and you pick it up and you go, Man, that is a sweet price. Then it goes in your buggy and your buggy goes to the cash register and you pull out your wallet or your purse and your hard-earned money and you pay for that item, whatever it is, because not only did it represent value to you, something that you wanted, but it was a price that you were willing to pay. All right, everybody with me so far? All right. So now you have completed the transaction, you've made the purchase, and as you do that, you turn around and you walk out of the store and you go home and you leave it right there and you go, man, that was, I'm so glad I bought that. That was so good. I'm really going to enjoy that. Is that what you do? No. 
unless you did that by accident, then you get home, you go, no, I have to drive all the way back to the store. Have you ever done that? I hate that. I hate that. But it has happened. Never, ever, ever have I bought something, made a mistake and left it at the store and just go, well, they'll enjoy it more than I will. Right? Because I didn't buy it for them at the store. I bought it for me. I bought it for my use. I, de- I bought it to deploy it in some shape, form, or fashion for my benefit. Church, you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, you were bought at a price. And you were not bought to leave you where you are doing whatever it is that you want to do. You were bought at a price to be brought into the family of God and be deployed in the family business. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Another verse that we are incredibly familiar with. All right, but again, I want to put it in this context. You have been bought with a price. You don't leave what you bought at the store and go, well, I hope they enjoy it. You bought it to use the way you saw fit. And when we read what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that old things are passed away and all things have become new, I don't know how many times I've heard Christians, brothers and sisters in a church say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. You know what? Doesn't matter if you do it that way because it ain't about your way anymore. It's about God's way. Amen. Can I preach that? Amen. It ain't about your way. Because you've been brought into God's family business, you've been brought into his plan, which is a bigger plan and a greater plan than you, the one that you had on your own, and he did not intend to leave you doing what you want, the way you want it, for however long you want it. He is running the show. You and I have been brought into the family business, it's God's business, and he will tell us how to do it. So what is our business? What's our business? Well, in the middle uh, centuries, the 1400s, there were churches that were trying to sort all this question out. And and, uh, the Church of Scotland, the Church of England got together and, and they wrote what is called the Westminster Catechism. And that was an, effect, an effort to take the scripture and boil it down to the very basics. When you go to our website and you read our faith statement, the things that we believe, that's what the Westminster Confession was all about. It was about summarizing all of these things from the scripture in a way that we can, we can summarize them, bullet point them, although they didn't have PowerPoint, they didn't know how to bullet point back then, but that's what it was. It was an effort to say, this is what the Bible boils down to and this is what we believe so that people could learn it. Catechism actually was a term for like discipleship. It was was a trained plan of teaching what the Bible teaches. These learned, scholarly, godly men got together and they said that the chief end of man is to glorify God 
and enjoy him forever. Glorify God, not only now, but as you read Revelation, we're gonna glorify God in heaven forever, right? Right? All right, so the chief and the man is to glorify God both now and then and to enjoy him forever, now and then. Our job, the family business, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's a guy uh, who wrote something. I want to share it with you this morning. I don't usually like to read uh, what somebody else has wrote, but I I just thought that this was extremely helpful. So a guy by the name of Dave Early, he wrote this, and I want to share it with you and read it to you. So forgive me for reading, but that's what I'm going to do. He writes this, when I was in high school, uh, I entered the business world. Now, first of all, that's kind of humorous in and of itself because, you know, you're in high school, you don't really enter the business world, all right? Can we just be honest about that? You go to work, you get a summer job. When he was in high school, he entered the business world by taking a job at a local hamburger and ice cream restaurant. During my shifts, I dipped ice cream, I made milkshakes, malts, and sodas. I created ice cream sundaes and produced banana splits. All right, so, so far, so good, right? I mean, this is a beautiful thing. But he was multi-talented. He said, I also ran the cash register. I washed the dishes. I bust the tables clean. I acted as the host. I did meal prep and occasionally waited on tables. Wow, this guy's a gold mine. He says, I like the job for several reasons. Number one, they gave me a paycheck every week. That's a plus, right? All right, you get a paycheck, that's a plus. He said the restaurant was usually busy, so the time flew by, also a good thing. And he said, and most of the waitresses were pretty cute. Now, if you're a dude, that matters. All right, so like the waitresses were cute. He says, I was really enjoying it. So, so far, so good. I got this, I entered the business world. I got a job at an ice cream and burger shop. Man, it was all good. But after a few weeks, (laughs) after just a few weeks, of late night weekend shifts, the thrill was gone. How many of you gone to work and after a few weeks, the thrill is gone? <laughs> How does that happen? The thrill is gone. He said, a dark truth crashed into my idealistic head. I was in the hamburger and ice cream business. I was working my tail off night after night so people could feed their faces. The only lasting value of the food that we prepared was the pounds of fat that it might create on the customers. <laughs> that's, that's very thoughtful, isn't it? Any of you ever watched the chef Emeril? You know, he's like, he's, he's cooking this dish and, and, and all of a sudden he reaches over and he grabs this spice and goes, Bam! Bam! And, you know, when he throws that on, whatever it was, all of a sudden it's changed. Everything about that thing has changed. It's completely different now. It tastes different because he took a, bam! I think, I think that Dave Early had one of those moments. He had a bam moment. All of a sudden, his job, his, his entry into the business world, all of a sudden he had a light bulb moment and it changed everything. Hey, I'm out here working for somebody else. And the thrill is gone. So he continues. At that time, a friend challenged me to read through the writings of Christian thinker and author C.S. Lewis. 
One sentence jumped off the page and changed everything about my job, Lewis said. The glory of God, and as our only means of glorifying him, the salvation of souls, is the real business of life. C.S. Lewis, bottom end of that statement, the salvation of souls is the real business of life. On that day, I made a glorious transition out of the hamburger and ice cream business into the salvation of souls business. My job at the restaurant took on new meaning as I began to go to work with an eternal purpose. I wanted to glorify God by cooperating in his plan to bring salvation to my coworkers. Every time I went to work, I tried to work as hard and efficiently as I could. I also tried to build relationships with the other employees and I began to pray for their souls every morning. Church, I want you to just stop and think about that for just a moment. How radically would it change your experience at work if you got up every morning and before you hit the road on the way to work, you started by praying for the salvation and the souls of everybody you work with? You think that might make a little bit of difference in your perspective as you go into the workplace on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? You think it might change just a little bit? When I went into the restaurant with the attitude of glorifying God by seeing people come to know him, an interesting phenomenon occurred. Work became more fulfilling and challenging. What? It was no longer about ice cream or hamburgers or even getting a paycheck or flirting with a waitress. It was something much bigger than all of that. It was about the glory of God and it was about eternity. As I went into work with a new attitude, I quickly saw clearly why I was there. The chief cook was a broken, alcoholic Vietnam vet. The head manager was an unhappy, overworked husband. The head waitress was an attractive young lady who was more than willing to use her sexual charms to sleep her way out of the life that she had known. Another waitress was a scared single mom. And yet another waitress was a lonely single girl whose only friends were the people who worked in the restaurant. The assistant managers were empty young men who were just trying to find happiness in the age-old temptations of money, sex, and power. Now, can I just hit the pause button right there for a moment? How many of you know the people that you work with and their stories in the way that this young man did as a high schooler? How many of you go to work every day And you know the background stories and the motivations of the people that you're working with in order that you may know how to share Jesus with them. Amen. That is missionary work. And every 
Every follower of Jesus Christ has been called into ministry. Some people have a workplace ministry. Some people have a platform ministry like this. But everybody has a ministry. And your mission field may not be so much here as it is in the workplace that you go to five days out of the week. But in order to know how to share Jesus with the people that are in your mission field, in your ministry environment, you need to know who they are. You need to know what their situation is. You need to know what their issues are. So he says, I began to work out with the assistant managers on our days off or in the mornings when we worked the late shift. We became friends. As a result of my efforts and prayers, one of my assistant managers started to come to church with me. One Sunday... After church, he and I were eating lunch in the city park. The pastor had clearly shared the gospel in a sermon that morning, and I was discussing it with my assistant manager. I reviewed the gospel with him, and he gave his life to Christ. That moment was more exciting than getting my first paycheck. That moment when somebody says yes to Jesus that's as good as it gets, church. That is as good as it gets is when we have the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody and that light bulb moment comes on and everything about their life, their future, and their eternity changes in the blink of an eye because we took the time to understand them, know them, and share the gospel with them. He says, when I made the real business of life, and C.S. Lewis tells us that the real business of life is the salvation of souls. He says, when I made the real business of life, the real business of my life, my life became more fulfilling and work became more fun. Now, we started with kind of a humorous reality check this morning about Monday morning it comes tomorrow morning be here before you know it some of you are like no don't remind me of that yeah yeah it'll be here tomorrow morning it's right around the corner and most of you not all of you but most of you will get up out of bed and you will go to work because you know you have to but it is not something that you can't wait to do but this young man realized that the real business of life is the salvation of souls and when that became the business of his life it changed everything about his work environment some of you this morning to change the drudgery that you feel about going to work every day of the week this is what you need to discover is that the real business of life is the salvation of souls and you need to figure out how to plug into that and how to be a part of it. He goes on to say something very, very important here. A common myth of our culture is that we need to make ourselves the center of our universe in order to be fulfilled. We live with the lie that God exists to make us happy. And yet the truth is, it's not about you. Church, it's not. It's not about you. And guess what? It ain't about me either. It's not about you. It's not about me. The real business of life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, 
your peace of mind or even your happiness. One of the things that drives me crazy is when people, well, God just wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. That is not God's goal for your life. God's goal for your, li- for your life is to be transformed in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's his goal for your life. Not your happiness. And Jesus said he came to seek and to save who? The lost. That was the purpose of Jesus' life here on earth. God's purpose for you is not your happiness. It is transformation into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It is greater than your family, your career, even your wildest dreams and ambitions. The real business of life is glorifying God and being used by him to transform unbelievers into people whose great delight in life is to know him and to trust him. That's why you're here. That's why you're breathing. That's why God didn't take you to heaven the moment you said yes to Jesus. He left you here so that you could share the same good news with everybody else. You get that? Church, do you get that? All right. Deep happiness never comes through focusing on yourself. It's the result of living a life that is centered on God and directed toward others. True joy. Last statement from him. True joy does not reach its pinnacle with you separating yourself from everyone and everybody. Our joy is actually most full and most fulfilled when it is multiplied by the joy of sharing it with others through salvation. Most exciting time in the life of any church is when altars are full of people coming to know Jesus. It's not what building you're building. It's not how many people are here. It's how many people are getting saved. That is the real joy of the church. Amen. Amen. And in your personal life, you want to know joy? You find a way to participate with God in the real business of life. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Isaiah writes this, everyone who is called by my name, this is God speaking and Isaiah writing, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. You know, it is, it is one of the great questions of life. Why am I here, right? Why am I here? What's, why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? This is your purpose, church. God said, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for who? For whose glory? My glory, God's glory. I formed him. Yes, I made him. I created him, formed him for my glory. Not your glory. Not your glory. For God's glory. That's your purpose in life. That's my purpose in life. That's the church of Jesus' purpose in existing is the glory of the Father, the glory of God. Amen? And when people try to find purpose, fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness in any other vehicle, in any other avenue, it simply will not last. You're going to hear from Daryl Strawberry next Sunday and, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He had everything you could imagine. Did any of it really work? No. 
No, you're going to hear that next week. None of it worked. Why? Because that's not why you were formed. You were formed for the glory of God. And the apostle Paul tells us that God's glory through the salvation of others should be the driving motivation behind everything that we do. Look at this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 through 33. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, he's talking to us as Christ followers, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please men in all things, not seeking my own profit. I'm not trying to make myself happy. I'm not trying to, to make, make sure I'm the center of my own deal here, not trying to seek my own profit, but the profit of many that read those last four words with me, that they may be saved. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, you do it so that people may see Jesus and they may be saved. So I got this um, message last week uh, after the, the sermon, and, and I won't say who sent it, but it was really interesting. Uh, and, and the person that sent it said, hey, you know, and that was, that was a great message and that was meant for me. And, and I just responded. I said, well, you know, thank you because sometimes I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Every pastor kind of deals with this, but sometimes I'm not sure if it's falling on deaf ears or if people are actually hearing it, they're receiving it, they're responding to it. And then this was the response that I got back after that. God gave you that word for a reason. There just may be someone on the floor behind the desk that you didn't see. How many of you remember that story from last Sunday? They went on to say this. I've been struggling here lately because I felt like I haven't seen God moving in my life. Not the way that I want because I'm so worried about him moving in my life, my life, that I ain't letting him use me to move in others' life. Do you catch that? I'm so worried about him moving in my life that I'm not letting him use me to move in somebody else's life. They go on to say, if I'll spread the seed, then I will grow more intimate with God. See, this is the trap that Christians fall into in churches all across America. We start to think all about us. I got my salvation. I'm good. Now I want what I want. I want to be pleased. I want to be the center of my own little world. I got my throne. I'm sitting on it and I go to church, so I'm okay. But I want what I want. Please me, feed me, give me what I want. And here's somebody goes, I've spent so much time waiting for God to do something in me that I've forgotten that he wants me to use, to use me to do something in somebody else's life. And church, this is the way God works. When you start doing that, then he starts blessing your life. He starts giving you everything that it is that you thought you were wanting, but that's not how you get it. You get it by being in the family business and spreading seed. Yeah. 
Charles Spurgeon, who was one of the greatest pastors and preachers of all time in London, he had this quote. He said, Christian people, your one business in life is to lead men to believe in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And every other thing should be made subservient to this one object. That if you can but get them saved, everything else will come in due time. See, when we start operating in God's way, in God's family business, because we were bought with a price, we were purchased, we don't get to do it our way anymore, we're not left where we were bought, we're brought into the family to accomplish the family business. When we start participating with God in his way, in his mission, in his business, then he'll give us all the other stuff that we need. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we kind of close out with these thoughts on the challenge from this morning. As you listen to this and as you think through your own situation, are you honestly participating in the family business? Are you genuinely, honestly participating in the family business. And the real business of life is the salvation of souls. It's been said that Pastor Mark Shell used to say all the time that you keep the main thing the main thing. Church, this is the main thing. Are you participating in the family business? Did you know that three to 4,000 churches close their doors every year? Did you know that? Three to 4,000 churches conduct the last service they will ever have each and every year. Do you know why that happens? I think you probably have a good guess after this morning. You know why churches close their doors? Because they quit participating in the family business they got into the me business the me business isn't nearly as productive and it's not nearly as satisfying and it's not nearly as life-giving as the family business are you making sure that the next generation is being reached and they see that there is no other cause greater than the cause of Christ Oh man, we will run to all sorts of fundraisers. We will run to all sorts of, of causes and benefits and we'll give to this and we'll give to that. But are we communicating to the next generation who are gonna take the baton from us and continue the family business? Are we communicating to them that there is no greater cause than the cause of Christ? Are you fishing? rowing the boat are you cleaning the boat are you making some contribution to the family business or are you just watching and waiting it's called a family business for a reason because it takes all of us to make sure that it works 
we got a chance next week to really, really, really engage in the family business. We need to be in prayer. But not only do we need to be in prayer, we need to be in motion. Some of you this morning, you've been trying to do your own thing and maybe you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time in your life. It's a great time, a great place to do whatever needs to be done. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, as we begin a a time of response, Lord, we've looked at passages from your word. We've we've read uh, what you've done in other people's lives. And God, we, we just plead that each and every one of us will see that the real business of life is the salvation of souls. That's the family business that we've been called into. God, help us to do our part. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that needs to be brought into the family business as a Christ follower for the very first time for salvation, I pray they'll have the courage to step out and come talk to me. And let's, let's do that today. In Jesus' name.